0: Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. In our Advent Sermon series, The Language of Christmas, we are unpacking five ways to show love to one another. Physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, and giving of gifts. Jesus lived a life of perfect love for God's people. The greatest responsibility and opportunity for a Christ follower is to practice loving God and neighbor like he loved us first. It's our prayer that the love of Christ will be the greatest gift in your home this Christmas. Now, tune in as we study what love is and how to show it.
1: Have you ever been hurt by the words of another person? Someone said something to you and those words, uh, were, were hurtful to you. Maybe it was a boss or maybe it was a coworker who said something to you and they didn't really have the full picture of what happened and they said some words to you that were hard for you to hear and you're upset about that or maybe you're still upset about that because they didn't even know what was going on and maybe they offered some criticism that was not, uh, shouldn't have been brought up on you or heaped up on you and I'm sure we can relate to that or maybe it was a family member. Maybe you had a dad that didn't really impress upon you love or, or he had a very unrealistic expectation of what your life should look like and so you've tried your whole life to kind of live up to some standard that you've never been able to achieve. And maybe you carry some wounds of that right now and you've been hurt by some of those words. Or maybe it was a comment on social media. Maybe you made a post and you had no idea that that was going to cause a big ruckus or whatever the case might be. And people are upset or saying, why would you say that? How can you do this? And maybe it's just a kind of a constant flow of negativity. And you've thought to yourself, wow, that was harmful. I was hurt by those words. I didn't expect to be treated that way. I remember it's safe to say, I should say that most of us can probably relate to that. Those moments when someone has said something and it hurts you. I remember when I was 22 years old, I was spending my first summer working as a camp counselor, and it was a really pivotal season for me. In fact, it was my 6 years of working with camp, student camps that God really kind of galvanized in my mind and my heart like I really want to use you in ministry. And so that was a really pivotal experience, but I remember that first summer of camp, it was one of the first weeks of camp actually, and I thought everything was going well, but someone in my group didn't, and uh, at the end of this week of camp, you know, because, you know, they tell you in your little instruction manual, you know, do some evaluations, let people talk about what they thought about the week, and this one guy chimes in, and he basically says in front of everyone, I thought you did a terrible job this week okay. Um, And he said, you know, I I, I thought that it would be better than this. I don't think you did a very good job teaching the Bible study. I don't think that the students really connected uh, with what was happening. And I thought this week could have been a lot better and basically placed the blame on me for the week not going the way that he thought it should go. And I'm thinking to myself, I thought I killed it, but I guess he didn't. (laughs) And you laugh, and I laugh about it, but isn't it interesting that in those moments when something like that happens, those words stick with you. And as a matter of fact, I mean, that ended up being an incredible summer of my life, and I'm so thankful for the years that have followed in ministry. But I can still see that guy's face if you were to ask me to conjure it up right now. You know, if I needed to do a police sketch, I could do it. (laughs) You know, because words have power. And words have, they have this ability to make you even believe sometimes something about yourself that may not even be true. Now inversely, I hope you've had those moments where someone offered you a word of affirmation or a word of encouragement that also profoundly impacted you. Maybe it was a letter that you received in the mail and you weren't expecting it and someone kind of commented on something that you did and how encouraging that was to them and it really moved you. Maybe it was a grandmother who said, I see incredible worth in you and she spoke some truth into your life that you have really kind of been able to hang on to. For all these years, or maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was your freshman English teacher or sophomore, you know, World Civ teacher who set you down and they said, I don't know what God's going to do in your life, but I know He has something really special for you in your life. Or maybe it's just complete strangers. Sometimes strangers offer us words of affirmation or encouragement that are really, really significant and, and, and powerful to us. This happened to me just this past fall. We were on a family vacation, and we were actually on a cruise, and so if you've ever been on a cruise, you know it's tight quarters, and you kind of are like there for a few days, and you're like, you see all the same people and all those kinds of things, and so we went on a cruise as a family, and we had the best time. i want to take a little sidebar here. This has nothing to do with today's sermon, but for all of y'all who have a family, I'm just going to encourage you, take the time to make memories with your kids. I encourage you this, whether it is it does not have to be anything glamorous, it doesn't have to be anything super significant, I promise you traditions matter, vacations matter, Christmas traditions, those things matter, that's the only parenting advice I'm ever going to give you, because we are in the throes of having elementary and preschool kids, so, but I can say with confidence, parenting advice, make some time, do not, do not forego memories with your family, so back to the message today, so we were having a good time, And we were experiencing, you know, a fun little time together, and uh, so we were eating ice cream, you know, like at every mealtime, because that's what you do, because it's always there. And near the end of our trip, uh, my son and I were actually playing ping pong, and um, this lady walks up to me, and I'd never met her before, and I recognized her, because again, it's not a whole lot of people, so you know, you kind of recognize some faces, and I recognized her, and she came out of nowhere and tapped me on the shoulder, and she said, I just want to let you know that you and your wife are really good parents. Well, thank you. Have we met? You know, I, I, I thank you. That's really kind, and really, really humble. And then she proceeds to say, because I've been watching you all this trip, and I'm like, well, that's a little bit creepy. Um, <laughs> but you're offering me affirmation, so I'm going to receive it. Um, you know, I'm going to work through the creepiness of that to just be like encouragement. Please bring it my way. And she said, because what I've noticed, it's, it seems like that you guys are just being really intentional, and I just don't see that very often and I wanted to let you know that I noticed it. Now, the little did she know at that moment that we had probably separated everybody because they were getting on each other's nerves or whatever the case might be, but she didn't need to know that. And this word from a complete stranger encouraged me in that moment, and to be honest, it still encourages me today because there are times when you think, I don't know if I'm doing very good at this, and I'm thinking, I don't know who that lady is, but some random stranger on this boat thought I was. So I'm gonna believe that in this moment. See, words matter, don't they? Words matter. What do words do in your life? Words either build you up or they tear you down. It's been my experience that words either rob you or strengthen you. Words bring hope or words create despair. Words bring peace or sometimes words create conflict. And this morning we continue in this series called The Language of Christmas and today's all about these words of affirmation, the words that we speak and how those matter. But more importantly than that, my hope and my prayer is that we would understand the word of God this morning to us and what God says about us and what God did through his son Jesus and how Jesus shows us just how much he loves us and as a result of how much he loves us that we would not be able to help but go share that love with other people to go boldly proclaim this language of love this Christmas season. So know that I'm so glad you're here. I don't believe it's by accident that any of you are here this morning. I'm so honored for those of you who are with us for the very first time today. And I want to ask you to join me in prayer. And my prayer for each and every one of us today is that God would speak to us and encourage us through his word today and help us to walk away today changed because of it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for just this time to be together. I thank you for each and every person who's assembled today. God, we believe that you have a word for us today. And so I pray that everything that we do in this place would point to you and that you would speak boldly and powerfully and profoundly through your word as it's. Uh, read and as it's uh, looked at today. We're just grateful again, God, for who you are, and thank you again for this time to be together. It's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen. One of our key verses today, and you're going to see it up here on the screen. It's printed there for you as well, and it comes from Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, and this is how it reads. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, so that those who may benefit those who listen. Now, I could probably just read this verse a couple times and kind of call it a day because this is a very profound truth from Paul to the church. And this truth basically says, do not let anything unwholesome come from our mouths except what is useful to benefit someone else. Maybe you have a translation that says rotten talk. I actually love that translation. Don't let any rotten talk come out of your mouth, but only what is wholesome and building up to another person. And in this series, we're using this incredible resource called the Five Love Languages kind of as a guide for us as we process through this language of Christmas, because the language of Christmas is love. And you and I are instructed to show love. We like to receive love, but we're instructed to show love to other people. And in this resource, the Five Love Languages, we process what those Ways that we send and receive love are. Last week we talked about physical touch. This week we're talking about words of affirmation. And for some of you, this is your primary love language. You are, you are most fulfilled in life when someone affirms what you're doing. When someone affirms the things that you're doing right, when someone reminds you of, of, of your significance and they see you and they tell you the things that you are doing. If you're married, some of you are married to someone that this is their primary gift. I'm going to go ahead and save you some money at Christmas. They don't want expensive gifts. They want words of affirmation. They want to know that you notice them and that you see the things that they are doing. But regardless if this is your primary gift or not, I believe it's something that we all need. Why? Because I don't care how old you are. I don't care what gift you have. Each and every one of us have all this in common we want to be noticed we want to be needed and my belief is that we all have to do a better job of being more intentional with this of showing the people in our lives how valuable they are to us william james the notable psychologist has famously said and i quote the deepest principle in human nature is the need to be appreciated one of the deepest principles in human nature is the need to be appreciated now whether you would word it that way or not I believe that you probably realize you want to be encouraged. You want to be affirmed. You want to know that you are loved. And the people around you want to know that they are loved. And so my truth that I hope that you walk away with today is this, that the Word of God, and you see this here on your screen, and I hope that you'll walk away with this truth, that the Word of God start to finish is an affirmation of how much God loves you. Because we all want to be loved. And the Word of God start to finish is an affirmation of just how much God loves loves you. I mean, if you go back in Genesis 1, 26, the story of creation, the pinnacle of creation was day six. On day six, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. That verse says that you and I are created in the image of God. We are image bearers of the God of the universe, meaning that you are special to him meaning that he knows everything about you because you were created in his image. That means that every hair of your head or lack thereof, I see a few of you out there, or lack thereof (laughs) is numbered by him. Some of you did not give God a challenge at all with that because you're like, yeah, there's zero hairs on my head up there. But Luke 12, 17 says, indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Scroll forward to John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. See, this is Jesus speaking. And Jesus is saying, God loved me, and because of God's love for me, Jesus says, I now love you, and I'm going to die for you so that you can be made right and so that you can walk in newness of life at our 11 o'clock service today. We're going to be baptizing a young lady who's experienced that and celebrating with her church family that she's walking in newness of life because of the power of Jesus Christ. God loves you, and he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son so that you could have life, and you and I are instructed to now go remain in that love. Do you know, in fact, you can actually just kind of take your Bible, put it on a table, and flop it open, and wherever it falls, it is an affirmation of how much God loves you. And some of you are like, really? There's some of it that seems a little intense. There's some of it that seems a little bit harsh. How would that be a kind of affirming, loving statement about who I am? Even those hard things to hear, you bet you. Even those moments when God points out the sin and how sin in my life is going to separate me from God, that's a part of God's plan for my life as well. Absolutely. See, because of your sin, God sent his son Jesus to make you whole and to make you right. That's actually the most beautiful part of the love story is that God doesn't hold us accountable for the things that we've done anymore because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We can walk in newness of life. So if you go to like 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, for example, maybe it's a verse that you know, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, those verses mean that all, Genesis to Revelation, It is an affirmation of the love that God has for you. Some of us have kind of bought into this lie that God tolerates us. God doesn't tolerate you. God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to give you freedom. Sometimes we think that God sees us like we sometimes see humans because of the human way that we go about relationships. See, God doesn't see you and me like we see one another. The reality is God rejoices over you. Do you realize that? Do you realize that the Lord rejoices over you? It's good news, my friends. The Lord rejoices over you. Do you realize that this morning? I mean, Zephaniah 3.17 says that the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I have always loved this verse. This is one of my favorite verses of Scripture. Many times we'll have parents that will want to dedicate their children, and I have seen this verse more times than I can count as a verse of dedication for a young child, and it is so beautifully appropriate. When you go study the prophecy of Zephaniah, though, this verse takes on even a whole new meaning and an even richer meaning because if you look at the prophecy of Zephaniah, in some ways it's a little bit of an interesting prophecy to read because what Zephaniah has been revealed to by God, is that God is going to bring destruction upon Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. Why? Because they had an unrepentant heart. They were worshiping false idols. They had sin in their life that they hadn't offered sacrifices for. They were rebelling. They were living a life of defilement. To make a long story short, it's not going to look good for them. I mean, go back to Zephaniah chapter 3. Right before where we are reading in verse 17, if you go back to chapter 3 verse 1, you're not going to see these on the screen. I just want you to listen to them. In verse 1, woe to the city of oppressors, rebellious and defiled. She obeys no one. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does draw, not draw near to God. Verse 6, I have destroyed nations. Their strongholds are demolished. I have left their streets deserted with no one passing through. Their cities are laid waste. They are deserted and empty. Then verse eight, therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord. For the day I will stand up to testify. I have decided to assemble the nations, together the kingdoms, and to pour out my wrath on them. All my fierce anger, the whole world will be consumed by the fire of my jealous anger. And you're thinking to yourself, that doesn't sound very loving. I like verse 17 better. But between verses eight and nine, something really significant happens. Listen to verse nine. Then I will purify the lips of the people's that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. Verse 11, On that day you, Jerusalem, will not be put to shame for all the wrongs you have done to me because I will remove from you your arrogant boasters. And then verse 14 through 17, Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. And on that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. All I have to say about that is wow. If nothing makes you stand in awe of God more than this, I don't know what could because Jesus, the Lord is telling us here, I'm going to purify your lips that have been speaking falsehoods. I'm going to take away your punishment. Why? Because I'm a mighty warrior who saves you. I rejoice over you with singing. Is there a more beautiful sight than seeing an aunt hold her little niece or nephew and singing a lullaby over that niece or nephew? Or, Or maybe it's your own child and you're trying to put them to sleep. And you're rocking them and you're singing over them. You see a grandparent holding a precious little baby for the first time and something about that grandma spirit, she just breaks into some lullaby and she's singing it over this precious baby. And then you go to Zephaniah 3.17 and it says that the omniscient, omnipresent, sovereign, all the omni words that are used to describe God, the sovereign God of the universe rejoices over us with singing. And his sons who have walked in repentance of sin and who are now in a relationship with him, he says, I don't hold those things against you anymore. I'm not going to destroy you. Rather, I'm going to sing over you. The word of God and the promises in the word of God carry so much weight, don't they? And my hope and my prayer is that these words from God to you would cause you to stand in awe, that they would cause you to realize just how much God loves you, what he has saved you from, and what he wants to do in your life. I also believe that they should cause you to think before you say things to other people. They should serve as a gut check for us about how we communicate to other people. What are we saying to others? Are we carrying the message of the gospel, or are we carrying hate, or are we carrying deceit, or whatever the case might be? You see this here on your notes, but words carry an unimaginable weight. I don't think you can really put a metric on just how meaningful words are. Words carry an unimaginable weight. I mean, Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Life and death, power is centered on how I use my words. Words either bring life to a person or death to a person. Isn't it interesting that of all the parts of the body, that we could have been identified as really the most deadly weapon that we have, it was your tongue. I mean, you would think maybe the hands would be the one. I mean, because you can do some damage with this. Some of you all work out all the time. I mean, it suns out, guns out. I mean, you can do some damage with these hands. Or your legs. I mean, a Chuck Norris roundhouse kick to the face. I mean, that could do some destruction. But according to Scripture... The deadliest weapon that I have at my disposal is what I choose to say, the words that I bring. I think it's safe to say that each and every one of us today 100% underestimate the impact of a quick, passing, critical, negative comment. We underestimate how um, gossip about another person can destroy um, and not bring life, but rather bring conflict. And sometimes in Christian circles, we have the audacity to kind of bring gossip into our midst because, you know, we need everybody to know from a quote-unquote prayer perspective. And we somehow never pray about it, but <laughs> just kind of talk about it. And maybe it should serve as a gut check for us. See, why does unwholesome talk, why does criticism, why do these deadly words come so natural to us? See, they come so natural to us because they're sin. <laughs> and you and I have this natural bent towards sin because of the fall of man. It's our default mechanism. It is our wiring. It's what we naturally gravitate to. But just like every other sin, even though it's what we naturally want to do through the power of Jesus Christ, through the word of God, and through the fellowship of believers like we're doing right now, we can do better. And we don't have to be defined by those sinful choices in it anymore because through the power of Jesus Christ, we can be made new. And just like Jesus told that woman caught in the act of adultery, neither do I condemn you. Go leave your life of sin. We can walk in freedom of new life, and we don't have to be defined by those things anymore. So if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, it is, in fact, our responsibility to be conscious of the words that we say, to be conscious of what we say to other people, the truth that we impart upon other people, to speak in a way that reflects Jesus to others. Now, why is there power in all this? There's power in this, and you see this here on your notes, there's power in this because to encourage is to inspire courage. It's to bring healing, and it's to provide hope. So when we have these words of affirmation, when we speak words of encouragement, to encourage is to inspire courage. It brings healing, and it provides hope. If you go look up the Greek word for encouragement, the Greek word, which is what the New Testament was written, and the Greek word for encouragement is parakaleo. And what this word literally means is, is basically I'm beside you, I'm calling out to you, I'm inspiring you. But interestingly enough, parakaleo, it's, it's a verb. It's the verb form of a noun, parakaleitas. And parakaleitas, does anybody want to take a guess? And some of you guys are like, where is he headed with this? Parakaleitas, which is the noun, is where we derive the English word Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. his parakaleitas. So when you see to offer an encouraging word to one another, it's the verb form of the noun Holy Spirit. So to encourage another person is literally the same root word that we would see in the Bible as Holy Spirit. So see, words of encouragement are not just ooey-gooey, let's just say things that make everybody feel good about themselves. The words of encouragement that you offer to someone else serve in a manner to encourage and to comfort them just like the Holy Spirit does to us. Because Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come and he would be an advocate. He would be the guide. He would be a comforter to each and every one of us. The Holy Spirit guides us. The scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf when we don't even know what to pray. That's the power of the Holy Spirit and you have this verb that's derived from that word that we're instructed to do so there's such great power in our words. Proverbs 16:24 says gracious words are a honeycomb. Gracious words are a honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Gracious words are a honeycomb. I have an uncle that's a beekeeper, and it's uh, very interesting, man. And uh, one of the things that I always appreciate when I go visit with them or whatnot is they'll save us these little sometimes pieces of honeycomb. You ever had like a piece of honeycomb, like a real legit piece of honeycomb from someone who naturally you know raises bees and what? It's amazing because it's just sweet and sugary, and you get cavities because of it. And uh, But it's just awesome, and, and you realize there's just something so sweet about this honey that's so fresh, and it's just, you know, dripping off this honeycomb. And the scriptures remind us that kind words, gracious words, are a honeycomb. They are sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So see, encouragement brings healing to people. Do you ever stop to think about what the person that you're being negative against, what they might really be going through? Do you ever stop to think about what another person is going through before you heap up on them insults or criticisms or negative words? See, our words could very easily bring healing because we don't know the journeys that other people are going through. Because for a lot of us, we've gotten really good at just kind of telling everybody that everything's okay. But deep down, there's, there's pain and, and there, there's hurt. Many counselors will affirm that sometimes your words really do have the power to save someone's life. I've read the stories. I've heard the stories. I've had friends of mine who are counselors tell me this before, that sometimes it is that word of encouragement that helps someone understand that they can process through the pain that they're feeling, and they begin the process of getting the help that they may have so desperately needed. And so think about the words that you say. Or maybe if someone's sharing a dream with you and someone's sharing with you something that they feel like God has impressed upon their heart to do, isn't it incredible how your words can either fan that into flame or your words can be a big wet blanket on that? Don't let your words be what oppresses someone, but let your words be what brings life and what adds to this beautiful journey that people are on. If you're a parent, I implore you, Use your words to tell your children how important they are to you. Use your words to tell your children just how much they mean to you. And and maybe that's not been something that has come real naturally or easily for you. And what I would say to you is there's no time like the present to start writing a new story. There's no time like today to say, I want that to be a part of my story. Many of you in the room are married. um, And if you're married, I, I hope that you'll notice the things that your spouse does, and that you'll affirm those things, and that you'll comment on those things, and that you'll let them know that you notice those things. Offer them those words of affirmation. One of my go-to examples when I preach, and I feel like I share it about every six months, so I check the calendar. It's due, Um, so you get it today in December. One of my um, moments that I always know that my wife loves me and and cares for me and one of those moments that I especially know it is when I mow the yard and I like to mow the yard Um, it's not work to me I enjoy it but when I uh, I like mowing the yard but one of the things that I really appreciate is I notice that she watches me every so often out of the window when I'm mowing the yard and I'll come in and uh, she'll say man that yard looks good (laughs) nobody mows a yard like you do I'm like come on That's right. (laughs) She may not even mean it. I know she does, but it's just, especially if, if you're married to someone that this is their primary love language, lean into it. Lean into it. Let them know that you notice those things. Maybe there's someone in your marriage relationship, maybe there's someone that always makes sure the oil is changed in the car. There's always someone that makes sure the routine maintenance is done, and it just always gets done, and you don't ever think about it. How about today saying, you know what, thank you for serving our family. Thank you for doing those things. I've never stopped to actually thank you and affirm that those things happen. I don't ever see it, but those things happen. Our family is stronger because you did that. Someone in your house makes sure that dirty socks get washed, unless you have a laundry fairy, which I don't think anyone does. Someone does it. Someone does that work. Have you ever stopped to thank that person? Have you ever looked them in the eyes and said, you know what, thank you for serving our family. Our family functions better because you are holding so much of this together. I notice it, I affirm it, and I want to say thank you for that. And for all of us, I pray that we would go out of this place today in boldness and that we would speak kind words to people. That we would encourage those that we see, even if they are strangers. In fact, my homework for you today is reach out to five people this week to let them know how much you mean or they mean to you. Reach out to five people, and some of you guys are like, oh, Pastor Jason, that is a bridge way too far. I don't know how I could do that. Strangers, you know, talking to people. It's likely that you're going to miss out on something or that you have already missed out on some things because you've not taken those steps of bringing that encouragement and those words of affirmation to other people. Don't you love what the book of Proverbs says? The book of Proverbs says that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So it's not only to the benefit of the hearer, but it's of a great benefit to you as the giver of that encouragement. Something changes, in you be bold this week in introducing yourself to people and seek to form a relationship with them. And again, now some of y'all are like, okay, I can encourage people, but I don't know if I can go meet people that I've never met before and try to broker some kind of friendship or some kind of community hasn't it been your experience much like it's been mine most of the people that we come in contact with they're desperate for community they want relationships they want to know that somebody notices them they want to be involved in things community they want they want to they want to show up to a place and know someone there they want to see familiar faces and you and I get the privilege of doing that, of being the hands and feet of Jesus and the mouthpiece, the ambassadors for Christ in our communities, because often what will happen is people will begin to share with you some problems that they're going through, and then you have an opportunity to step into their life and pray for them, or they'll share with you a specific request about something that's happening in their life, and you have a moment to stop right there in that moment and say, can I pray for you? Can we take those things that you're dealing with to God, because see, what happens is something incredible happens then when we start talking to other people about Jesus. Something incredible. When we start bringing the language of love into our relationships and we start pointing people to Jesus, something incredible happens when we talk to others about Jesus. Most importantly, what happens is Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. The words that we share to other people builds their faith up. And for those that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's where they hear the message of what Jesus has done for them. It's through the words that are spoken. The Holy Spirit, parakletos, works through your encouragement, parakletos. It's powerful. Your words matter. People begin to realize who Jesus is, and they realize that he's the one they've been looking for. And he's the one that they are desperately yearning for, and your words point them to that truth. So your words matter. Healing or pain, it's grace or mercy, conflict or peace, and my prayer is that we would all realize just how much the Father loves us. And when you realize how much the Father loves you, just like Jesus said, because God loves me, I now encourage you to love and remain in me and to go boldly into this world to share Christ with others. So this morning, I want to read to you a love letter. And this is not a third grade love letter of, you know, will you be my girlfriend, check yes or no. Um, You know, this isn't like a a, a promposal, you know, will you be my date to the prom or will you marry me? But this is actually a love letter from God to you. This is a love letter from God to you. And in fact, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment just to kind of, you know, get your heart and your mind and the right frame of reference for just a second. and I want you to listen to these words. And this is what I hope that you notice about these words, is that there's actually not a single word of this love letter from God to you that's not rooted in scripture. Because at the beginning of our message today, I said that the entire um, counsel of God's word from start to finish is an affirmation of just how much God loves you. And I want you to hear this letter. This is a message from God to you, directly from his word. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb, and I brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I will meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing." I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. And one day, one day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And I'll take away all the pain that you've suffered on this earth. I am your father and I love you even as I love my son. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you. And to tell you that I'm not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you could be reconciled. And his death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be your father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love your Father, Almighty God.
0: That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. And lastly, from the church family to your family, Merry Christmas.